Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weimergers and Harav Nissen. So we've got two special hosts together with you on this wonderful evening. The number to call up and ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to, get to taking your questions or your comments. So thank you, and we are really looking forward. Again, call up. The number is 718 683 5858, and we are looking forward to, again, to taking your questions and your comments. I, uh, we're going to start with our first caller, Mrs. B. Hi, here with Mordechai and Arav Nissen. Okay. Hello. Hi. So I have this question that's been bothering you. Um, yeah, can you just speak up? I can barely hear yeah, you. Yeah, um, you hear me better now? Yes, yes. Okay, fine. So I have this question that's been bothering me for a very long time, and um, I hope to get clarity on it. Basically, um, I have been looking for a job for a while, and for some reason, it's just not going. And basically, um, I've been feeling like very depressed lately, you know, bad about myself, and... um, of course, like, I know Hashem is in charge. Whatever happens is from Him. But um, for some reason, I can't boost myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can. So Let me ask I you a question. Who's your support system? Who's helping you out with the job? So um, my friends are really trying to, um, you know, if they have anything, they, they text me, they tell me. If, you know, if the right one for me, I try to make calls. I try to do my best. No, who's your support just, system? Just, what? Who's your support system? Who's helping you? Who are you talking to about this? Um, so I go to therapy, my therapist, my friends, my family. But everyone tries, but it just, you know, I just don't have one yet. The right one day comes to me. So yeah. my question so, is, is that, if I feel bad about myself, like, does it make no, sense? No, but I mean, l- let's be clear. What I'm trying to help you is that you know, there's a lot of therapy tools that we can talk and give you chizik. I like focusing on the now and the future. What are you going to do? What are you continuing to do? What are those people with chizik helping you out? So they, so they tell me I should either, you know, go more into my career and either just you know, take the up step, as in, like, let's see, if, if I'm in a career, I should just, instead of focusing on the second step, I should do the third step of the career. Okay, what about different job type coach. jobs? What, what, what about different type jobs? Right, so Which I means that sometimes you might want a better job. Like, for, just for an example, I know a lot of people that try to get a better job and some people want to have a and sometimes you got to go on a lower level job like start small and then pick yourself up i'm just asking these questions are you willing to start very small yes so i'm really not picky i i'm i'm not in the beginning i was picky but now i realize that it doesn't pay to be picky just pays to pick whatever comes your way and um it's hard because um People like taking people that have experience in those areas. Let's, let, let's see if I'm, if I'm good at one area, they'd rather take the person who's, who's better for them. Like That's if I'm right. Only... So then don't go for that area. So now your job is what jobs are open. I get, the right. reason why I'm spending time on this is I have a lot of people coming to me that are looking for certain jobs. They like certain jobs. And what I try right. to share with them information is for them to know that when you speak to people that are very successful, they didn't take a job that they wanted. They took the job, the opportunity that came. And then things worked itself out that another job came, something else presented itself. They actually like this area. It means your, your job is looking anywhere that there's any job open, and that's what you take. Now, if you like a specific field, you'll then get educated. You might volunteer in that place. But you first build, you take a job job is to work. Right. You think, like, no matter, you think I shouldn't even focus on, like, the, the success of the job. I should just focus on what I'm doing. I should just do something. That's right. The first goal is to do. That's right. 
get a job. Once you get a job, your self-esteem changes. You have somewhere to go in the morning, even if it's a field that you don't like. Right, and let's see, um, let's see if, let's see if, let's see those small jobs that you're talking about, even though, even they don't want to take look, um, let's see, let's see, like a small job, like the small field you're telling me about. Let's say it's an assistant in a school. Let's say it's um, just being in a store of helping be a salesman, be assistant to the salesman. You first right. start, whatever it should be, anywhere. I shouldn't even, like, think I should just take it. That's right. People like success. The first job is always the hardest one to get. Right. So what I find is, and we have that with many people, let's, let's talk about by us and the men in the system. You have very, very qualified, smart, intelligent people. They could be in coil for five, six years, and then they need to get the first job. So in the business world, while they can be brilliant, they can have everyone fighting for them for chavrusas, but then when they've got to get the first job, and the first job is offering less than, they're, less than, they, less than half than they're willing to make, what do you do? And that, that, that is like a catch-22. Where do you start? Yeah. So the Wait, secret is have- that you first take that job for less than half the value. So let's say you believe you're willing to take the first job for $30,000 a year. Even if there's a job for $15,000 where they'll pay you $9 an hour, take it. And you do it for six months. And while you're working, you feel good. You're building yourself up. You have where to go, and you still look. What else is out there? And then the person might see, wow, you actually have more talent. You start. You start. That's the way it goes. And people with quality will, will go up, will rise. I know, I always share this with a friend of mine, that he was very successful in a certain field, and then his boss did a certain shtickle, and whatever the shtick was that wasn't so straight, he lost his job because the, whatever it is, they had to close down the whole department that he was running. But he got a job in a completely different field, a completely different business, because a, a friend of his, a someone that was a business owner, said, I see what leadership abilities you had during you were doing this work, or we were talking, and now I'm looking for someone, I'm taking you. We'll even pay you for six months while you get trained, because I know the value that I will get later. So that's how it works in this in, in the Derechateva process. You start small, you work your way up. Yes, you'll always show me those couple of people that started on top. Yep, their parents, they had connection in that area, wherever it should be. There's always going to be, I call it those 10% people. But 90% of us are going to have to work our way up. Well, and how do you, let's see, um, Let's see if I'm not there. How do I build up resilience? Like, how do I tell myself that I can do it? That's part of therapy. That's that's why I asked you also, who's your support system? Right. Well, so you're saying that you just start small. That's right. We start small, and you don't knock yourself down for starting small, and you don't say, I'm doing small for already six months. No. You know that you're going to be taking something, and it will take you a while to get there, and you can, be, you can be a year to two years starting small. But if you continue with Siata Deshmaya, you will see the results. You'll see the successes. And that's how things work. And we cannot try to figure out how Hashem is going to make this work out. We just see it happening. We just know over and over that as long as people are working, things happen. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good night. Can you, sure, but can you tell me, how do you feel that makes sense to you? How do you think that can help you? All right. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Uh, Rabbi Mordechai, it, sure, seems, like, it, seems, like, it yeah. seems like the election is taking over, you know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, no, no call. Everybody uh, just uh, busy with the uh, trying to to do something. But okay, so you know, <laughs> okay, let's yeah. let's see what. Remind the number again, please. Yep, the number is seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, and we look forward to getting your questions, your questions, your comments. Go ahead, share the questions, share your comments. We want to be 
getting your, we want to take your caller. Take your calls and take your questions. So, Rev Nissen, what I want to do is yeah, just hey, one minute, sec- just share with, um, yeah, do you want to say something? Okay, wait, okay we have Miss D online. If it- Good, let's go to Miss, yes, go ahead. Let's go ahead and take. Hi, you're on, Ms. D, you're on the air with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Yeah, hi. First of all, I want to thank you for your show. It really taught me a lot, and I'm helping other people through some of the things I learned. Um, I had a few questions. You can stop me when you want. Um, I know that it's always good to nip things in the bud, and um, I see some slight problems with some people, and I'm just wondering, in this field, maybe you don't want to make an issue over something, and I'll give you an example, okay? So let's say one of my kids is very sensitive to, let's say, ties, um, doesn't even when I buttoned his shirt. So I know it's a little sensory, but it doesn't affect him too much. I don't know if it'll affect him later on in life. I, I feel that in certain things he is sensory. I, I wonder if there's something I can do at home just to help him. I heard like maybe playing with clay or something. Um, he's a little old for that now, but um, I'm wondering when you would take care of something like that. What would you say is the answer? Let's shift it to you. Um, I think it's better not to make an issue over things, but I'm wondering if there's any, like, I, I don't think he should start with therapy when it's not really affecting his life too much. But if I can help him be a little more comfortable in life, I'm wondering if there's any little advice you can give. Well, it's hard for me to give advice if you, we don't even know if he has a sensory issue. Maybe he just doesn't like, maybe he's just a regular kid not liking when you put on his clothing or when you get him dressed. Uh-huh. No, he's older now. That's not an issue now. Um, he gets dressed himself. But I see that, let's say, a tie bothers him, but he That's wants to wear a tie it because it's be dressy, again. so he makes it very we, loose. We're making an issue out of something that we don't know about. But That's why it, we can't say it. It's if just somebody, a regular if certain kid, items like, a like bother a person to touch, like, isn't that a sensory issue? No, it could just be a normal kid that doesn't like to have his top button clothes with a tie on him. No, kids like things loose. And when he was younger, he used to, like, touch gates a lot. And my Let's sister said that You're that's a sign of a sensory issue. You're trying to tell me he has a sensory issue. issue, but you don't want to send him to a sensory therapist. Now, do you see how that sounds a little interesting to me? That was. I'm trying to tell you we don't even know if he has a sensory issue. So you're trying to tell me he definitely has a sensory issue. So if he definitely has a sensory no, issue. No, I, I want to tell you a few of the things that I've Wait, noticed hold on. No, 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 no. Young. Let's not do that because you're asking me to diagnose. I'm not going to diagnose. This is for an awareness. So let's just shift it right back to you. If you suspect your son has a sensory issue, let's shift it back to you. Why wouldn't you send him to a sensory specialist that just deals with the issue and then everything's taken care of in six months, let's say? Mm-hmm. What's the rationale not to? The rationale is because um, you don't – sometimes you, you, you're supposed – I'm not sure myself, but I think that it's sometimes good not to – Focus on every single little problem. Every nobody is a hundred percent that has nothing bothering him or no issues. That's Great. one so side of me is saying. Let go. Good. Then let go. So your son will have. He won't like wearing ties. Move on. But Good. if there's something that I can help him at the rest of his life, how do you want to help Obviously him? not just ties, but so other discomfort. So now you want me to teach you how to help him? Then I can't help you. What? That's not what we do here. I can't give you. To, I can't give you tools what to do and things like that. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. You can read up on sensory stuff. You can go to the library and start reading books on sensory and seeing does he have it. Does that? No, I feel like you're telling me he probably has a sensory issue, and now you want me to teach you some ideas. This is not a how-to. This is an awareness-based program, uh-huh. so we can create an awareness. Uh-huh. I, so maybe yeah, a I general can't. question would be: Is if someone has a slight issue, is it a good idea to try to help him or? Sometimes you're supposed to let go because it's not really going to affect him that much. And that is every parent's decision to make because the parent is going to have to be the one that's going to have to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. So if you choose not to deal with it, and then all of a sudden it's a couple of years later and it's going to be a real big issue, you're going to have to be the one that is going to have to deal with it. If mm-hmm. you choose to make an issue out of it, and it helps him, but he's affected by it that he went to therapy, you're going to have to be the one that's going to have to deal with it. Oh, so so that's you have to weigh the pros and cons, you're saying. 
That's right. That's important for a parent to know where they are, how bad is the situation, what are the choices if I take care of it, or, I'm sorry, what are the ramifications if I do take care of it, what are the ramifications if I don't take care of it. And you can make one decision today and change your mind in, in two months from now or six months from now. Just mm-hmm. reminding people the number, and then we'll go back to your question. The number to call up and ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And just to go back to you, to your question, if you are pretty sure that it is a sensory issue and you don't want to send him to therapy, then maybe I'd recommend for you to go to a sensory therapist specialist and get some information. Mm-hmm. So you can be taught now how to do an exercise. What are different exercises out there for what you're describing? Uh-huh, that's a good idea. I hear what you're saying. Um, uh-huh. Can I ask one more quick question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I know that not having good eye contact is um, not a very good sign. Of what? Um, does it always indicate there's a problem? Wait, wait, wait finish with... the sentence. It doesn't have a good sign of what? Of being emotionally healthy, maybe? Why? Who said that? Um, I think I think it's one of the kind of things that people say, oh, he's awkward, he doesn't have good eye contact. No, we're we're reading into things. No, could just be the kid's shy. Mm -hmm. You have kids that are more shy. Even if people he's not shy? Well, yeah, if it's a 25-year-old person, doesn't make eye contact. But if it's meeting new people, sometimes they might just just be shy. Uh How about if it's an older person and it's among family that he knows and he's not shy? Um, I would have to hear some more symptoms. You don't start judging things on one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I've seen it in more than one person, and I, I feel uncomfortable when people don't have good eye contact. But um, to me, family, but I noticed right, that some people who seem right. successful and healthy in all ways, for some reason, right, they so don't I want you to realize that's contact. exactly why you just hit it on the nail way. I didn't want to tell you, yes, it's a sign of an issue. It could be that there are families where the parents will say, don't make eye contact, and therefore the kids were taught that way. That's the nurture nature, and yes, there's a lot of modeling where kids are taught, and if the parents did that, so it's, there's nothing wrong with a person, just they don't have eye contact. They weren't taught how to have eye contact, and with therapy, we could teach them to do that along those lines. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you say to encourage a child to have eye contact if he doesn't have it naturally? Or is that Again, just like covering up the issue of what might you know be the else going to. on? What's the answer to that? I think it would be wise to. I just I wondered if the, everything has to have an underlying factor, and then maybe there's another reason for it, and we're just covering up the main problem. So let me tell you what I see. What I see is you've got a lot of concerns. You're not going to the professionals how to get it to be told it's okay, it's not okay, maybe we should deal with it. And therefore, you're starting to read too deep into things, and you're starting to build whole varteras on, on simple words. And that's usually like why, if you notice, I am not going into those, means I'm not answering your questions because I don't know. They might be issues. They might also not be issues. Mm-hmm. So could I just assume that if everything seems healthy with those people, um, then it's probably not an issue? It's not a vada issue if, if they have those symptoms, you're saying? I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? So if, let's say, someone doesn't have good eye contact or somebody is a little sensory, but it, in general they're functioning well and seem emotionally healthy, so... It doesn't necessarily mean a bad sign. Is that what you said? That's right. Uh, I want to be sure that my words are clear. When I'm saying it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad sign, means we don't know until you do a full evaluation, until you go to someone that has experience. So mm-hmm. I've had someone come into my office tell me, I'm sure I have OCD, and it just turned out they have anxiety. So people aren't experts in a certain field. And what I hear from you is there's a lot of concerns going on, and you're not going to get it, let's say, you're not going to send your son or whoever it is a family to get diagnosed or to be told that it is no diagnosis, and therefore you're going to be sitting around doubts the whole time. That is I'm not terribly concerned. It's just since you have this opportunity to ask questions, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here worrying. It's just I like to always do the best for family members. So I just want to know if it's something that I was able to put you at ease, Baruch Hashem. Mordechai, let me ask. How old is this uh, person? Well, it's two separate people, and they're both Uh, like, uh, you know, older teenagers. uh, Let me ask you something. Did you ever uh, uh, probably read the Igeret Ramban 
And he's da- definitely... <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. I always wondered about the Gareth Aaron Bond. Okay, so he always... He actually says not to look at people. Okay, I know. Exactly. So why should he, if he's, if he's a smart boy, a smart man, and understand what is all about to be uh, a Jewish uh, personality, definitely will keep his eyes down. And it's recommended from not only for a Gareth Aaron Bond, from the little settle of, uh, you know, Noam Elimelech and, and all, all the other Chachamim. And try not to dig under uh, things that uh, you have in your mind, you know, about other people, you know, unless you really are a professional. I hear. Okay. I appreciate that advice. Uh, thank you. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. Okay. Sure. You're welcome. We'll, we'll go and to... And I'm just going to talk two minutes yes. about the workshop because we've got two more days to sign up to that and really one more day for the teacher's workshops. So let me just talk a minute about the Stress to Inner Peace workshop just so people would have an idea what's happening. So in the first workshop, we're going to be addressing um, what is stress. It means every one of us has got stress. What's normal? It's normal to have stress, but can you change it? Then discussing the difference between stress. What does a person look like when they're stressed? What does a person look like when they have inner peace? People have no idea what peace even looks like. Then what's the difference between stress and anxiety? Then we go on to explain the different anxiety disorders. Then the symptoms, just understand what they are. What are the ages that's needed to possible to have stress and anxiety? Then we understand the pieces, how our brain works. So once we understand it, we now know how to change that if we have stress or different stuff going on in our lives, how we're able to help ourselves or family members or people that we shouldn't be affected by that. I'm just going to mention the number to sign up is 201-691-7626. This is to the, for the workshops coming up in the next day and two, Metashem. 201-691-7626. Then we go into the cognitive distortions or the cognitive denial, or as it's called cognitive dissonance. What is it? How does the brain create the filter? Why does it create the filter? Then we learn the four survival tools that the brain uses for stress. Some are good, some are not good. And if you're into the not good systems, we need to be able to identify, oh, so when I do that, I'm now denying it, I'm now blocking it. Then we start recognizing thoughts that we have for men and for women that can be causing the stress that's going on. Then we talk about thoughts and stress that kids and teenagers might have, that if they have those, and unfortunately, we will be seeing that stress going on. Then we're discussing projection that we always discuss a lot over here on the radio, and that is how of things that are affecting us and our subconscious is actually what we're going to be seeing in others. Then we start learning to identify what are the denials that we have going on in our family, in business, in our roles that we expect how a husband, a wife, a parent, a child should be. Then we discuss perfectionism. The perfectionism is really underlying the control. What's the need to, perf- to the control that we have to have? Then we go into the 20 points how to identify what are 20 areas in your life that you're being a perfectionist or a controller that might be causing you stress. Now we start focusing on the solutions. Remember, this is all. This is just workshop one, day one out of day six, just giving you the ideas. So we've got over here about five different solutions that we need to be able to do, how to start finding the clarity and to avoid stress building up into anxiety. If someone's got anxiety, a lot of the tools that we use in therapy. Then we're going to go into how to start breaking the denials. And then there are four levels of proving it false that we can break out of it. Then we start building up into the peacefulness, the serenity. How do we start getting the calmness and the information is the calmness is within us? Then, if we want to change, start going into six points about how to let go and how to let things happen. And by letting go does not mean that you're just not going to do anything. It means you're going to be doing it on a different level of, of an inner peace and more trust of letting things happen. There are three different pages of that. Then we're going to start going into the self-care, which is recharging your battery. We bring in six different ways of self-care. Then we have an exercise for you to practice that you're going to practice throughout the week before we get to even the second workshop. You're already going to be practicing this on yourself. And again, as I tell everyone, the Stress to Inner Peace workshop, I believe, is a must for any family member today because in this generation, stress is something that's here to stay. That's just a reality. And therefore, what we've got to do is to know the tools. And when our kids start being afraid, our kids start having panic attacks or fears, what's the basic steps that it should avoid that should even go up there? What are the ways that we can start identifying what's going on in there? And we have many times questions where people say, I know it's in the family, but if it's in the family, stress or anxiety or depression, 
These are the main basic tools that we use for in therapy, but I explain it to you. And if someone's in therapy, this is about 18 to 21 hours of information that will save you four or five sessions discussing it. Once you know the information, the therapist brings up, okay, now we need to challenge the thought. You already know, oh, I've seen it in the workshop. So I believe this is a workshop that should be a must for everyone. It's a basic stress to get to inner peace, how to feel inner peace during the stressful times that's out there. And as I've told people that I take workshops all the time, a workshop that I'm presenting to you on average is between $700 and $1,000 a workshop. That's, I take workshops. That's what we pay for less than this amount of hours. And I'm giving it for less than 50% of that. It's even under $300. And the point is just to have more people taking it. And you can listen to it for three months on the phone line at any time that you'd like. So you can review the information. And really looking forward to having people participating and taking that. There's only a day and a half left to sign up. We're starting at Merit Hashem at Wednesday evening. And again, the number to sign up is 201-691-7626. 201 201- Okay, Mordechai, uh, first yeah. of all, uh, we uh, know that uh, we are a Jewish religion station and uh, uh, we have a special Zgula lady that uh, give us a Zgula for finding a job. And she said from the Rabbanim, it's, uh, if you say 10 times every morning, every night, the Pasuk from uh, Genesis, uh, Perek uh, Memtet uh, 49 and uh, 21, it's Me'asher, Shamna Lachmo, Ten times, it's Genesis 49, uh, phrase 21, 10 times. It's a big zgula for finding uh, a job and the right job. So this is thank you to the zgula ladies that given us all the zgulot. And thank you. Thank you for giving that. Let's go ahead and take the zgula lady to the question that you sent me a message. Someone <laughs> said, how does this job advice apply to, to Shaduchim? To take anything? And let's clarify first, the lady, what I think the answer is, but I wonder if the school lady, if she can also give us a recommendation or a capital to Hillim or some school oh. to say for a shidduch. Yeah, she has, but, she has a plenty of this. You know, every every Tuesday at uh, noontime, she gave us a, a new school of shidduchim, and it's working. And uh, I know that uh, every t- Tuesday, Shashel uh, Chesed, she gave us some school of shidduchim, and uh, I know that uh, it's working for many, many people. I know that they have one of Zgula is uh, 40 days of uh, Shira Shirim every, every day. That's Shira right. Shirim. And sometimes saying Nishma Neshmat, also, yeah, I yes. know. Yeah, 40 days. Saying Tehillim, doing some yes. Chesed. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and just take this little text. So first of all, the number to call up to ask your question or your comment is 701-683-5858. Sorry, 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Six eight three five eight five eight, and that is the question to share. Share your question. Share your comment. And again, to read this text message was: How does the job? How does this job advice apply to shaduchim? To take anything? Well, the answer is as follows: Date. Yes, start dating. Do you know how many people are busy checking and doing real information checks for months that you're not dating? According to the, what the Rabbanim are saying and what the Shadchanim are saying, by dating you are raising the chances of being successful. How many times do we hear that it should have happened that no one understands it? If you're busy looking at the resumes, then, or I heard a name and you're going to find some soul with the situation. Oh, the family's like this, the parents like that, the boys like this, or the girls like that. You'll find something to nix it. And the concept is, Date something that's looking decent means it looks good. It might have a problem or two, but it's okay. If it's 80%, it makes sense. 70%, it makes sense. Go with it. So here's again the advice for Shadduchim. If you're going to look for that exact picky thing that it must be and that it makes sense on paper, at least you'll try that the first two, three times. If you're lucky, then it hits. But on average, you will realize that the information that you get or the way people write the it doesn't always look that doesn't look that much. It doesn't match. So yes, keep on dating. The secret is to keep on dating. And if you keep on dating with Siata Deshmaya, you will see things happen. So the secret to getting engaged is to date. It's no question about it. And just stop looking at with a microscope up though every single pimple that you think. And I tell you I found people that research about the Deshiduch for months. And in the end, one date and finish. 
So just keep, keep uh, and above all, pray to Bon Ribona Shalom. I want to That's say right. uh, I want That's to say right. something that I got phone call very the de- step phone call from our one listeners and a few listeners from uh, our area and they said that they got phone calls not to participate in in the election and we are really all the more I would say the all the rabbis that are in in uh in the Jewish world right now from Rabbi Moshe Feinstein all of them just say go vote go vote and i don't know maybe it's, it's a false message that people don't want us to go voting so just go vote about it and we have a listener okay. uh mrs uh miss r okay miss r you're on there with mordechai and her of nissa yes hi thank you so much first of all um so i am 18 and i'm starting shidduch now and i have a friend who when she was like in middle of high school she got um, diagnosed with depression, um, yeah. but it was like a really, really serious depression. She missed a lot yeah. of school for it. Um, and I was wondering for Shadachim, do I have to say anything about it? Because it's still going on now. She's on medication, but it's still a major thing now. So I want yeah. confidentiality. So like, here is where I think you first have to ask a rub. This is a Shiloh of... This is a Shiloh of... Um, of Lashon Hara, and we need her off to say what the, what to do here. Got it? Yeah, okay. If, yeah, so I, I just don't have the answer to that. means do I feel, or do the Rabbanim say yes, if someone's on medication that they do need to tell before they get engaged? Yes, that's pretty much across the board. But what you should be saying, what you should not be saying, how do you know if she's still on medication? All these things are... You know, not always do friends know everything that's going on. They might have told you depression. It might be something else. That's the only reason why I'm saying it. There could be a lot that is going on that you as a friend don't really know. I was okay. involved in several cases where someone got better, supposedly. Yeah, they took vitamins, and I know what those vitamins were. Those vitamins were medication. <laughs> the vitamins were, yeah, they're just going to a life coach. And I know it's coming to our center. It's really doing therapy. So my point is that, you know, you might be able to say to things, you might, you might, I don't know, you have to ask a rub. And they might ask you, how do you really know she's on medication? How do you know she's still depressed? Or if they ask you, tell me about it, she says she's very nice, she's doing like that. If they'll ask her, is she very loud, is she geschmack, do you go out with her? You might say, no, I don't really go. Again, we need a rub for this. This is the Shiles and Rosh Hara, and I know the, I think the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, they might have a, you know, place where to call or, for, or, or just contact the rub. Okay, and also, in general, how should I deal with someone who is clinically depressed? Hello? Yes, sorry, ask ask the question again. Yeah, how should I deal in general with people who are clinically depressed? Well, I'm not sure what your question is. It's very general. It's like, how do you deal with a fromid? Like, what's your question? Is your question, are you supposed to become her therapist? Is your question, are you supposed to beg her to go out? Is your question, when she doesn't call you, should you call her? Is the question, is when she complains that she's sad, what should you do? Give me more words to your question. That's too general of a question. Someone that's depressed is just like me and you. In fact, everyone gets down. So when someone's depressed, their downer is just stronger. It lasts longer. So should I be more on top of it? What? Should I be more on top of it? I don't know. Again... You're asking me about a friend. I don't know. You're asking me, forgive me, you're just saying words. So imagine, I'll, just to show you how difficult the question is to me, you ask me, I want to bake a cake. I want to make a chocolate cake. Do you know how many different chocolate cakes are out there? And then you're telling me, like, should I be on top of it? Like, so should I make a big batter or a small batter? I still don't know what, case, what cake you're talking about. I don't know what your relationship is with her. I don't know if you have all the ingredients. So notice, you said you have a friend that she's severely depressed and she's on medication. That's all that I know. Do you realize okay. how difficult it is for me? Just to realize, it's not that I don't want to answer your question. You're, you're, you're asking me a question with very little information. Does that make sense? Yes. So do you want to say more about her? I don't know. Do you think it's going to come out and people might recognize who you're talking about? No, I don't think so. Okay, um, so then go ahead. So ask think, a bit. Uh-huh. Okay. I we just want to think keep that your she, pr- mm-hmm. Yeah, hello? 
Yeah, no, we want to make sure that your information remains confidential. And I want to ask, some, I'm sorry, just I'm jumping over, you know, just, uh, it's, uh, I, you know, many times in, in a teenager's, uh, you know, friends, sometimes it's ex- some, some side is exaggerated, you know, and uh, we taking it uh, like a little bit severe or, you know, just, oh, she's poor or he's poor. I, I would like to say that uh, what the ability of, of you, of you to, to recognize or basically to diagnose what, what she said. So if someone would pinpoint her and really look at her for like a week and just look at all her actions, you could probably, you'd probably be able to tell that there is something a little wrong. We all understand. I think, we all, uh, you know, if somebody were looking at, at me in a week, and a, and a very good and and a some certain kind of microscope or kind of binoculars will find the time wrong also. No, no, but this is more of something really serious. Is the parents involved with this? Yes, yes. Okay, so this is really big zilla of rabbi. Right. Right. So now, when you're asking me what should you do, I don't even know how close you are with her. Maybe you need to speak to the parents first, or speak to her first, or speak to the therapist. What's the best? Sometimes people that are depressed don't like when you tell them, you can do it, you're just being lazy. No, maybe they feel they can't. Maybe they just want a friend just to talk to or someone they can share it with. Do you make, how do you make sure that if you speak to her, you don't get caught up into it? Who said mm-hmm. she even might want to see you? She might not want to see you. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the interest, for being such an amazing person and wanting to help your friend. That's very important, and we need questions like this in Kalyusol where people are saying, I want to help out. And therapists many times can use that, someone wanting to help out. And now we are going to go to Mr. B. From with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking my call. My question is, I've listened previously to many of your uh, shows, and I know sometimes people have asked you that, like, that therapy is very expensive, they can't afford it, and you told them, your response was that you know about uh, certain organizations that uh, they charge, they take, let's say, they do take insurance. So my question today is, I have called actually uh, one of the organizations that you refer to, mental health organizations, referral agencies, and they have told me from one of the, someone told me that if you want to go to a good therapist, you'll have to pay cash. So I told them, okay, it's not going to heal at 100%, it's only going to heal 50%, even 30%. Is it better than nothing? They told me no. Why? Because let's say after going a few sessions and you won't see, uh, you won't see an improvement, you'll get frustrated. And so it's rather you don't go to someone that's not good. So that's so my question to you, you is... Do you know my opinion on that? Or yes. you're just saying yes. someone else's as if it's a fact now? No, I want to hear your opinion about this. I disagree with that that's completely. What I'm calling. Oh, so let me tell you why I disagree, and let me show you why I believe this is like any other area. If someone's got a severe illness... Then you're going to look for the top. No, is that what you would do? Tell me, if someone you know has a severe illness, what would you do? You would look for the top doctor. Would you look for the top doctor and say money doesn't matter right now? We're just got to get the best out there. Then if that's the case, then you go to someone that if they take insurance, if they don't take insurance, then you just go to who they are. However, many people, and let's clarify over here, where therapy is very expensive and people cannot afford the best. So, Chassashalm, to give you a real example that I know of, I know someone that never had a brain tumor, and the top surgeon for that brain tumor takes $50,000 cash straight up to, do the, to, do, to perform the surgery with or without success. $50,000. Now, they don't have the money. They've gone through years of not having of surgeries and things that they just took, who was a top surgeon, that the insurance covered, and Baruch Hashem, with Siata Deshmaya, the surgery was a success, 
But that's reality. So now, depending on the severity of the situation is how you make these decisions. So I can tell you, and I say this all the time on my phone line, because I read, we have countless messages from people that they're sharing that they went to an agency and they went to one therapist and they didn't like it. Then they went to a second one. They went to a third one. They clicked it very well with a third therapist. And there are some excellent therapists that are in private practice that it's harder to fill the morning hours or the, or the afternoon hours. And in an agency where they, take, where they get less paid but they still fill their hours, they're good. So there are some good therapists. And I just got a message this week. That's why I'm thinking about specifically that case where they called up the therapist, and the therapist said what they charge, and then they asked, is there just by any chance that you work in an agency? Or they heard they also worked in an agency, and they're going to them during the slow hours when it's hard to fill private practice hours, and they're getting it in an agency. But I also want to feel more information. Therapy isn't like a like a one-time surgery. It can be a process. And certain situations need a year or two of therapy once a week or twice a week. And people simply can't afford it. We need to face reality. People can't afford it. And I am a huge believer in take what you have. Now, if the situation is so ill that it's a one-time shot, means if this person's going to go to therapy and they're not going to see it successful and they don't have the maturity to understand that they're allowed to change therapists, and that's normal in every situation, then you might need to say this is a one-time situation and we have to pay the money to the best and we'll have to cough it up if we can, and if not, then not. And I also want to clarify, who said the best is the right shidduch? Do you know sometimes the amount of people uh, that came to my office or told me they went from other therapists and I go, why are you coming to me? They're a top-notch therapist. They go, yeah, we just didn't connect. Who said the best is what's best for you? So let's now clarify to that message. Yes, there is a time where you want to go to someone that you know the person connects, or you know the person's an expert in this field, and you might not have the money and you got to go there, and like that person said, that there's a chance that, the, that if you, it's a, it's a one-shot hit, so we got to do our research well and make sure that we can do the best for it to work. However, I know from experiences over and over that people went to agencies, and that's why I am promoting agencies. People do go to them. People don't like one, so you switch to a second, to a third, till you get there, and with the Atadishmaya, we get there. But if there's a choice to find out who's an expert in an area and you can afford it, or you want to, you found out specifically that they're a good therapist and you want to do that, then go ahead for it. But we also have to acknowledge there are people that cannot afford it, and starting the process is very important. It's more important to start the process if the person's mature to to be able to continue and to change, than not to start it at all. Harav Nissen, what do you say to this? It's uh, it's 100% uh, right, because, you know, if you can start something to to build up, it's like construction, and then you stop, and you say, that I, I will take the other builder, I take this uh, constructor. It's not working, you know. Sometimes you, you have to work uh, on what you have and what you budget and get what is the maximum that you can get. But... In the, in the meantime, if it's really uh, severe, you must take the, the top notch, the, the, the top profession. Right. No. Now, what do you say to that advice from both me and Rav Nissen? I really appreciate it. Uh, that, that's what bothers me because I've been researching for many years already this. I mean, I've been quite, like a few, few times in the last six, seven years I've spoken to agencies referral agencies, and they've always told me, ah, the good therapist, the good doctors, nah, there's no one that takes insurance. You have to pay cash. They never referred me yet to a, uh, a therapist or a psychiatrist that takes insurance. I and don't so, know how to, I, I uh, would disagree with that completely. I know I deal with relief, and I know I deal with, with echo. And I know when you say that's your insurance, they'll tell you who to go to. I know that for a fact. They might tell you, go to this agency, try one or two. You have to also realize sometimes when people are in an agency, they're there for two, three years or four years, they build up their name, and once they have a, 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 their name, then they go private. Realize we have to make Parnassa today, and agencies really do not pay that well the therapists. So that's why they try to go partial private, and not because the agencies don't pay. We have to realize that people, that, that people are, how should we put it, that 
the, when people go, when I say you go into agencies and you're getting it for free, you're not getting it for free. What's happening is the government is actually paying for it. Someone's paying for it. So the government will pay X amount in certain agencies for what that is. So therefore, they will, the government, since just like any insurance, any medical insurance, that if the doctor, normally they can charge, if you pay out of your pocket $100, but if you're going through your insurance, insurance will only cover them $20. So the same is with therapy. So a therapist will get paid less when they're in the agency than if they're in private practice. So generally therapists, especially the men and the women, they would rather have a private practice where they could work less hours and make the same amount of money. So many times a lot of the good therapists, once they build up a name, then they will leave. But there are still good therapists that are in the agency because they don't want to be busy with private practice. People don't realize that private practice is a is a business. It's very hard. There's customer service. There's changes. There's a lot that goes into it. Hours of phone calls. There's just so much going on in a private practice setting that many therapists are just happy to say, you know what, especially by the women, there are some very good women therapists that they're just happy making, getting their 15 to 20 clients or their 21 clients without having to blink an eye. And they have a waiting list and things just work out. So they might not be able to tell you a name, but they can tell you start the process. Mm-hmm. Is there also a chance that uh, like a not good therapist? I don't know if the oh, right that, term. That, I want to tell that just uh, let him. I think that you have a lot of lot good therapists that really feel that the needs of the, our our society, our community, and really take the time and effort to help our people, and without the payment, you know, like every profession. And I I, I don't like to say that uh, of all the 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 best. Uh, Therapists don't do it a chesed. And I know quite a few therapists are doing a quite chesed hours in this organization. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Can you clarify what, what, what he meant? Rav, he, he says it very clear. What, what do you mean to say by that? I, I would say again that not... I, know, I know many therapists that volunteer an organization, and they are very, very good therapists, and just volunteer in certain organizations to help our community and our people. And they don't charge money, extra money, just to have to find them, that's it. But they, they, they are in the, it's, to say they are not good, and this organization, it's not fair to say. Some of them are excellent, and just because they love the job and they love to help other people, they stay. It's exactly like to be a rabbi in school, or Moran in school, and yeshiva. These certain people are really care about the community and helping without the money. Are you able to tell some? I mean, to, uh, to say on, on the radio some of the names of those organizations? Rabbi uh, Mordechai said, you know. Look, I, I would just like just go to the regular stuff they have in. You want in Williamsburg? You've got Pesach Tikva. You want in Lakewood? They've got Chemed LCSC. You want in Borough Park? They have Ohel. They have Jewish Board Family Services. They have now Pesach Tikva from Williamsburg. Also moved to Borough Park. They've got they've got therapists there, and you can change. And I want you all to know that there's the studies are showing that more important than the skill of a therapist is the connection that the client has with the therapist, and that's a shidduch. The problem with all okay. those agencies, with those centers, is that that's in the waiting well, room. You, you might let's see stop, other. Let's stop a second. Hold okay. on, hold on. You see now you're starting to get picky. Let's recognize. No one would want here. that other people should. I mean, should see. My or friend, should be let's, let's try this a little bit differently. Let's try this differently. Uh, if you want to find a chesaron to a system that's free, then understand. Average good therapists take between 150 and 225 dollars. How much is each session? How much is the bazillion worth? And let's take it chesaron a step further, which we need to break the stigma in our from world. Nebuch, when people need to get the cancer treatments, has anyone ever been there? There's about a hundred of those like chairs, like those recliners, all lined up, and people are all getting their IV, and one chair right next to the person for the family member to sit with them. And anyone that Nebuch has got a, a cancer treatment, everyone can see who it is. Let's realize, any other illness out there besides for mental health, the stigma that we have in our from world must be broken, and that's the point of what I'm doing with these programs. We're trying to break the stigma. If never people have got other issues, you'll wait. Any office that you wait to, there's a normal open field, uh, and, and people know. If it's a 
If it's a foot doctor, podiatrist, it's the same thing. Someone's going to a neurologist for the brain has to be scanned. It's there. Someone's not there for an oncologist. For Yanamachla, it's there. And for the more private, embarrassing parts, when you go to the doctors, you know that it's there. For urologists, someone's got with a stomach. Someone's got to have uh, any of, the, any of the, those stuff. It's one open thing. Now, I, I'm not having complaints, and I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying I understand it, but I'm also saying is you still need to understand. I feel people sometimes forget what it means that if there's an agency and they're going to have 30 therapists there, you cannot make 30 or 20 little waiting rooms. Yes, I have a private practice setting, and we can have max six therapists with a max the two waiting rooms plus the coming, the in and out, and everything that we got, but you can't have more than that unless you're going to start changing everything, and who pays for it? The government is paying for this. We need to realize we want everything for free. We need to start waking up and recognizing that if you're getting it from the government, there are going to be a lot of limitations. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just clarifying. We have to realize you want something for free. For free means the government is paying for it, means taxpayers are paying the money so the government can then use that. I just want to get the concept out there because we have this concept of free. It's not free. <laughs> you know, any of those And therefore, centers... when the government has their certain needs or when the agency needs to budget, how can I set it up? They've got their limitations. Now, if you want that system to make a judgment, if you're going to go, if a person's going to go twice a week and they're going to get a good therapist that they're connecting very well, and let's say an average therapist takes $150 to 175 and you're going twice a week, you're getting now $350 worth, and the prices, your emotional prices, sitting and waiting there in, in the public field. What is it worth? If you want private, you can pay that out of your pocket. Yes, there will be private therapists and private therapy. They make sure confidentiality is is, is, is watched because they're able to. Private settings, or private practice are a small setting. So we can do that. We're not dealing with 35 therapists. You know, any of those free uh, or agencies in uh, upstate like Muncie or? I'm sure you have um, Rafua Health Center. They've got a huge mental health clinic department. Um, and that's just offhand. I know there are two, three more places out there. Sure. You know the two or three places? Are you able to announce that? Um, just call relief. That's, you see, now you're asking me, do right. I know? That's where the referral organizations, Echo is upstate. Call right. up Echo, relief. Right. They all got a branch upstate. I don't want to mention so, a name, but one of those centers. Uh, no, let's, okay. okay. Let me tell you, my friend, I appreciate the call. Created the awareness. That's it. Now it's okay. time to move on. Okay, we have uh, Miss I. Miss I, you're on Mrs. the air I. with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. I wanted to ask, yeah. did you ever hear of the book Awareness by Miriam Adahan? So let's put it this way. I try not to discuss books or people because then we're going to start getting I liked it or I didn't like it. Happens to be I know that book, and it's a brilliant book on Enneagrams. Yes, it's a fantastic book. I, I want to know if you like believe in the Enneagram, if you think it's helpful. That's the next thing. You see, it. that's what I don't do. We don't endorse therapists. We don't endorse books. So Enneagrams, that, ask your Rav if you believe in that process. Mm-hmm. Just for people listening so they should understand what this question was, the back and forth, it is very, very simple. It is, there are different natures of people. So someone has sort of made out of nine different natures the type that they are, what's the strengths, what's their weaknesses. happens to be I'm almost done my next book, which means we're just about two more chapters left where I've done similar to the nine Enneagrams, but I've done it into four natures. Based on when the Rambam brings down, we have the Svarm all over, Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Afar, which is fire, water, earth, and wind. Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Afar. And there's a personality that goes connected to each of those natures. So wind is someone that's flying and dreaming. Eish is fire, it's hot, it goes all over, no boundaries. These are the people that are going all over. Water is someone that's very flexible. It always goes up, down, cool, relaxed. will always get to where it's got to get to, the quiet way. And then you've got offer, which is grounded, solid, sticks to what it is. And we've basically described how each nature needs to learn to get along with the other one, how our ticking, or I should say our successes, when we get to learn to master the opposite nature that will trigger us the most. So we have svarim all over that go into that we need to recognize our natures and learn to change our natures. 
And I'm writing a book similar to that where I want to have some Akairis into it, you know, because a lot of the books out there do not have any additional Akairis. So that's a major focus on mine. So I don't like – that was my concern. The minute you asked me about do I know the name of the book, uh, the next question comes out, what do you say? And that's not what we do at this program. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for asking the question. And we are going to Mr. A. Hi. Yeah. Um, I, I first uh, would like to tell you that I signed up for your workshop, and I'm looking forward to take it. I'm really uh, um, excited for it. Thank you. And Thank then you I would very like much. You know, it means a lot a to me. Comment. It means a lot to me. Yes, I would like to say um, what I have go from your radio shows, from the J-Root and other radio shows, um, I hear you a lot of talking about letting go of control. Yeah. And and I feel even, I don't know exactly what I do differently now than I used to do, but I feel a lot that I am letting go because I'm hearing you so much talking of Wow, that, um, wow. and imagine I... once you take the workshop and you're going to be going into it, you're going to be learning the cognitive dissonances, means the subconscious, I shouldn't say cognitive dissonance, the subconscious, the Freud system, the subconscious blockages, and, when you, and you'll learn the Beck, the distortions, how our mind changes things, why we need to hold on, and then you're going to learn the tools, the David Burns plus I've added on five different tools how to break the cognitive denials or the subconscious denials, simple taking care, recognizing where the control is, why we can't let go, what do we expect or what needs to happen. Each of those meditations will be addressed. Wow, you're, you're in for an amazing program. You're in for an amazing program. I guess just before we hang up, just to mention for teachers, we're having a workshop for teachers. Seven tonight is really the last night to sign up, and that is teaching. We divided the workshop into two programs. That is two parts, which is seven evenings. And the goal is to give classroom behavior. How can a teacher control the classroom without threatening, without hitting? How can you get kids to do the homework for Bachman or for older teenagers? How do you get them to behave easily without threatening? And then the second part to that, which is going to be, it's all interwoven throughout each workshop, is how to develop a connection with the student, how to make sure the student feels respected, how do you make sure that the student should feel excited, and if there's an issue, how can you identify it, as well as I discuss or give the basics to understand the difference between the main diagnosis that students go through, and that can, that's we discuss, depression, anxiety, OCD, um, social skills, discussing sensory issues, each of those are there, and the method of therapy that we use usually for that process. So, A, the teacher will be able to recognize this could be a concern, how to refer it, and then, B, when a therapist, if they go to a therapist or if there's a method of therapy, they should understand how does that therapy work besides for everything else that's in there, the importance of connecting and having the teacher be relaxed, calm, confident, be prepared, and how to use behavioral charts, how not to use them. Either way, once you understand the skill, you can do it all in your life. And the number for that to sign up is seven is two zero one six nine one seven six two six two zero one six nine one seven six two six. And we're starting that program Tuesday evening. So if anyone would like, you can still sign up till then. But tonight's really the official time. Whoever's listening, you can still do it then. Yeah, Mordechai. Before we finish, I just. Uh... I would love to. I would like to that if you can uh, read the two texts, the last one, uh, the two texts. Really, that something like uh, my son is dating sure. a girl. Uh, this text, please. Certainly. So we're going to do that right now. Yeah, I, I read that. I wasn't sure how to deal with it. Let's go ahead and do this. My son is dating a girl. I heard her mother has anxiety, and now the girl shows signs of anxiety. She was a top, hardworking student. Just got her degree. Looking for a top job so far, years of being busy studying, now is home and says she is stressed out. What should we do? And Harv Nissen, like, let's put it this way. The reason why I didn't answer the question is, notice it's saying they're dating. They're dating and the girl is so, so nervous. It yeah. sounds to me like they have their answer. Yeah. 
So I'm not sure what they're asking me. That's why I wasn't sure what the question is. I, I think that uh, that's exactly uh-huh. what my point that uh, dating and we're studying again, looking uh, on every uh, pinpoint. It definitely she's study. She's out. You know, she's out working. And you have yeah, any any kid, any any person was when he study has a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff, and especially when you're dating and prepare wedding or prepare engagement, I think it's very, very natural. And if the parents, you know, if as we said so many times, if we look in the parents, we never had uh, uh, Yaakov Avino, it's Avino, you know, Avram married, right. and it's uh, yeah. married. Uh, the criminal daughter and uh, the brother was out of the derech and all this, you know, we we don't know. Just let let Ribbona Shalom be working about it and release the pressure from yourself. That's yeah. that's why I, I wanted to, uh, to talk about it. And the other talk, the text it was about the text for about the phone number, uh, phone phone of the teenagers. I really want yeah. to get you. Oh, I didn't see that one, so let me just see that one with the teenagers. Question, how does one secure person work with other insecurities? No. Um, I'm a teenager, typical from Hasidic home. My parents are Oh, that was, uh, that was, I thought, was controversial. But uh, Okay. Okay, let's just go ahead and share. The basic question is, someone says she's a teenage girl from a Hasidic household where her family does not want her to have a smartphone or doesn't want her to text, but they have a smartphone and they're texting, and all her friends have that. How is she going to connect if she doesn't have that? Okay. And here is where we start getting, the reason why I mean it's controversial is because teenagers have a way of asking a question of not seeing their part, <laughs> which means I know that classical teenagers and kids to say, the whole class has it. The whole class is maybe two kids. Second of all, your parents might have it, and they need it for business, or they're mature. And excuse me for saying it, but little younger teenager of 14 years old, you don't have the maturity of your parents or adults. And you might think you do, and therefore there's a lot going on. On the other hand, we can also take the other side, which is we hear that if parents, if you're not following the guidelines, how do you expect your children to follow the guidelines? In fact, that is a major theory. I'm not going to share the name, but there is a coach that I put the information in that's unbelievable that over 35 years his team and the rugby team, they won 419 games and they lost 10. And a lot of the players on his team, this is like for high school coaching, not were kids that were like off the derach, quote-unquote, in the Goyish world, or kids that were even, let's say, in prison, but not prison-prison, like they were arrested for something, and now they were put on, the, on trial by the court, and part of the extracurricular activity was to join his team. And his success was not focusing on winning. His was, success was not that we have to be the best. In fact, it was just the opposite. His success is, I want you to be a winner for life, means if you don't succeed, if you don't do well in your math, in, in schoolwork, you cannot be on the team. If, the, if there's a team member that has a problem, then we, the whole team will help you out because we are one team for life. And his first most important rule is that the coach has to put the same exact commitment that he expects in, his, in, the, in the players. That means if you're going to ask a player to do an extra mile or five miles jogging early in the morning, one of the coaches are going to be there when they're doing it. We're going to be participating. If we expect you to do the best, we have to do the best. And the coaches would even admit to the, camp, sort of to the players that if they made a mistake, how they had to punish themselves for their mistake. And the integrity, he calls it, has to go from the top down. So for parents listening, you might have a very good reason why you're breaking the rules. But if you're breaking the rules, understand your child or teenager might not understand it. And therefore, you need to be able to connect and explain it to them. And if you don't have a good reason, means you just don't listen to your own rules, then understand your teenagers will have a very hard time listening to you. Oh. And let's recognize that the rules of winning life had this guy win 419 games and only lost 10. And in fact, the one that he lost the game was by choice, means a top player. It was their star like quarterback that he admitted before the big game to the coach that I cheated on the test. And he sat with a whole team and they all had to tell him, even though we might lose the game, but your punishment for that's the rule. If you're going to cheat or not pass the test, you cannot play the game. Then you can't play the game. 
and he taught them all we're a winner for life because now this student, this teenager, learned that winning isn't the most important. Being integral, living life the way you're supposed to will get you further in life. And this rules. They won 419 games. And this is an important part that we focus on in the teacher's workshop. That is, let's stop focusing on what everyone is wants out there. It means I focus as well as, yes, you need to keep the class and the school up to par. You do. But at the same time, we cannot lose our focus that the most important part that we have in our chinuch with our teachers is, and our rabbim is, we want to teach kids for life. If you want your students to learn for life, what are you going to put in for this year? What extra, what heart are you going to put in? And that extra heart that you're going to put in, that you're going to equally invest with Siata Deshmaya, you will see major changes in each of your students, even the difficult ones. I, I want to okay, add something. I, want I was to just add, talking. What do you want to say I about want that? to add something about this girl. I just want to I want to know what the policy of the school, you know, because uh, it's very important also the parents to see what the policy of the schools are, are doing about this. And I know my kids are telling me, you know, many times we sign a paper that my kids don't have any access to a smartphone or any phone. And this is a state because we are tr you know we're trusting the school and we're working with the school we don't want to go uh, against the school this is very important to know the parents side and uh, and the other end that uh, you have to to uh, obey the the rules of the school if the rule if the schools allow the text okay this is you have to talk with your parents and see what you're going on that's right a large part exactly you said that the t that the parents are going to have to be able to tell the, the student is, we follow the rules. But if the parent, if the kid would tell the parent, but you don't follow the rules, that's why the parents, we need to practice what, what we preach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. And Hatzlach, everyone. Have a wonderful evening. And thank you once again for this wonderful and amazing program. And Humbly, it's such a schos. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and reminding to all our dear listeners, don't right. listen to messages about not to go uh, voting. Vote tomorrow. Vote tomorrow to the right uh, person uh, that uh, you think. And this is very important to, for our community and all the Klalam Israel. Very important. And all the rabbis, yeah. the big rabbis said, this is a karata tov and part of being uh, practice the civil rights of uh, America. Yes, and again, I'm just going to share the number to, for those that would like to call up to sign up to either one of the workshops. is 201-691-7626. That's 201-691-7626. And also, I want to thank all our brave listeners for calling up and just sharing their questions because it just is helping break the stigma and helping help, having a healthier, emotional, healthy quality. So thank you all.